Yeah, about that freaking horrible song you're using in your show that I have to fast forward every fucking time. You know what, guys? If you're not gonna stop using it, I will have to ask my good pal Vladimir Putin to nuke your fucking asses. Do you understand me? Take care. Oh yeah, my favorite podcast is the sick and wrong podcast. Cause it's a very good podcast Oh yeah Yeah, 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 yeah Lance Wackerly and D. Simon They banter about how the week went for each of them And then they segue into the stories And the fans vote which is the sickest of the week And then they do phone calls and emails it's a funny, 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 funny show Sick and Wrong Podcast It's a wonderful podcast It's a miraculous podcast It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide, wide world Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary One of your hosts, D. Simon well, I'm Lance Wackerly up there whacker not much ready to podcast about the events of the week how do you feel about the uh the golden state warriors nba champions Woo! your uh your home team yeah i got my flag <laughs> did my you car. celebrate did you go out and uh into the streets of oakland uh, smash a few cars break some windows no i didn't do that was there uh you know i didn't even re- read about yeah, any riots wasn't a lot or... of uh rioting I think there's more rioting in the mission of San Francisco than Oakland. What did actually did San Francisco riot more so than Oakland? That's what I heard. They're throwing bottles at the cops. Wow. In the mission. Um, you know, the mission erupted into violence when uh, the Giants won. Right. Hmm. Everybody was saying like Oakland will just erupt into uh, riots if they win or they lose. Well, it was a Tuesday and the game was away. So if they would have, I had to f- play the final game on Friday in Oakland. I think it would have been a lot worse. You know, I was wondering about this because they kept, I watched the game and they kept showing like shots of like the Oracle Arena in Oakland. Did people still buy tickets to watch it on a big TV at the Oracle? Yes. Why would you do that? You know, people are, they really are into their squad sports ball, squad ball. Squad ball? Yeah. <laughs> they all have shirts. Yeah, those yellow shirts. <laughs> yellow shirts, flags on their cars. It's a big Ooh. thing. I so don't know. Is it... Uh, it's mostly Asians. Yeah, no, I noticed that. It's like a very... Uh, a largely Asian contingent in that uh, in the they, audience. Uh, yeah, they so they cut to a shot of the people watching it in the Oracle Arena, even though the game, for those of you not following along in the sports talk, <laughs> the game was not being played at the Oracle Arena because it was being played in Cleveland but people still go to the Oracle arena to watch it on the screen. And they cut to that shot during the televised broadcast. And it was literally all there it was all, all Asian, Asian people. people. Yeah. Which is weird. Who, who are too short primarily, except for one Asian guy to play basketball. Who's that? Remember that really tall Asian guy? Well, there's Jeremy Lin and there's Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Okay. Two, two come Asian to, guys. Mind. Although there's probably what? Like Double four, what you thought. Yeah. So was it probably like you three were 100% guys. off. <laughs> I don't know about a lot of Jewish basketball players. There might be. You never know. Um, 
So is it comforting just to be able to go back and no longer have to give a shit about basketball? Yeah, it's pretty comforting. I like that too. Three people did get shot at the parade on Friday. Okay, well that counts. <laughs> In Oakland. That's, so wait, so there was a that was parade. During, during broad daylight though. That wasn't wasn't like a nighttime riot. It still counts as violence. Yeah, it certainly does. A daytime parade just marching through uh, with it downtown Oakland. So some guy, some guy around just the goes, lake. I think the shooting happened by the lake. It, was this like a, a like a spree killing, or is it just like some <laughs> it's guy? It's not a spree killing. I'm sure it was gang, gang related. related. Hmm. Well, it's got to be violence. Beef. Yeah, it's Oakland. It's funny. So uh, last night I was at the I was in Hollywood uh, with my girlfriend, and uh, we were taking the metro. LA's public transit uh, from Hollywood to downtown to go uh, see a show at the Redwood Redwood Room. It's a pirate theme bar. Um, really? But anyway, I was like sitting there. I went down to uh, the Metro. You, you got to get you got to get a ticket. Like you you buy you don't have to buy a new ticket every time like you do on Bart. You have a pass that you have to like just add money. Yeah, to. Bart has passes. Oh, they do. Because remember they yeah. used to have paper tickets. They have both. Okay, yeah. so this well, you have to buy like a metro card, and if you lose your metro card, you got to buy a new one for a buck fifty. So that's why you hold on to the metro card and just add fares, you know, add fare to it. But right. the thing you is, you miss out on the buck fifty. Well, the problem is <laughs> with the, the difference between the BART or the New York subway or the Chicago L train is that the metro, no one rides it, or if they do ride it, it's maybe on a Friday night or maybe They're once a month. So no one, ride it. no one understands how to use the machines. No. So when, you, when you're in a hurry and you're worried because you see like, oh, no, next train's coming in four minutes, you go down there and there's just a group of just befuddled citizens trying to figure out how to use this fucking machine. Yeah, they're not even tourists. They live right next to it, but they still can't figure it out because they never use it. They're always in their car. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, there's a group of youths in front of us, like as a, as a group, like five of them trying to figure out how to add fare to their card. Well, and youths are just they're fucking idiotic just regardless of in what general, they're dealing with yeah. in general. Well, I say use, I'm using that term liberally because I, I don't really know how old they were. I'm, 12, I'm an old man now. So 11. it's like, for me, a youth could be like someone who's like 28, mm. you know, it's hard for me to tell, but they look like youth. They look probably early twenties. Um, but anyway, so they're saying they're using this and I was in the back just scowling cause I'm just upset. Cause I'm like, it's not that fucking hard. You just tap your card. You put money onto it. Then just you tap, tap it. it and you walk away. Tap well, tap, in. tap. That's it. But they were like sitting there for a good 10 minutes trying to figure this fucking machine out. And uh, they finally figured it out. They start walking away. And one of, the, one of the youths turns around and goes, holy shit, D. Simon. And he points at me. Famous. And then, uh, yeah, he was like, wow, D. Simon. And I just kind of stood there like not expecting it, but also just kind of like, what am I supposed to do now? You know, it, it, was, it was weird. And then a what bunch of people do? were just staring at me. I just kind of was like, hi, how's it going? Like, I, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I was caught off guard. You know, I definitely didn't know what to Have you ever had that happen? No, of course not. It's happened to me four times. <laughs> four? Yeah, four. I bet you it happened in, if you were in London, just walking around, I bet you it would happen. <laughs> you know? It, Let's or, hope not. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, how would you react? Would you just, like, put your head down in between your, sh you know, your, like, put, pop up your shirt collars and try to hide? I'd probably headbutt the person and run away. <laughs> you know, I, I was nervous. I was nervous because I'm sitting there with my girlfriend. I wasn't expecting this. I turn around. I look, and it's a white guy. 
he had normal hair though. I was concerned because what if this guy is a white guy, 26, 27 with a bowl cut, a bowl cut hairdo. And he's looking at me and he goes, holy shit, D. Simon. What would hmm. you do? White think? guys with bowl cuts are pretty scary. Well, over the age of 12. <laughs> yeah, there's an know? age where you can still have it. I don't really know why. Do, do parents think it's cute? Is that why they give their little kids that cut? No, because it's it's easy. It's economical. Like you just yeah, put a easy, bowl on your head easier and just like is cut to it give off. them the Auschwitz cut. What's the Auschwitz just buzz cut? It all, just buzz, just it buzz it all off. off. <laughs> but who had clippers? I guess. Uh, you, you're, so you're, you're saying you can do the bowl cut with just scissors? And yeah, like I think scissors. they just put a bowl on your head and they just clip around. I mean, they couldn't do it with me because I had a Jufro. I mean, I think my mom <laughs> right. just cut it. But like, It'd be I, really hard to get the bowl crammed down onto your head because with all the hair. Yeah, and I don't think it would have worked as well. Although I guess I did have a bit of a bowl cut at that time. I mean, did you? No, I don't think I ever sported the bowl cut. How? I mean, look at pictures of you as a kid. What did your hair look like? Um... You had to have the Van Herc. I don't think so. You've got, you know what? <laughs> Wacko, you need to post some pictures to Facebook of you as a kid. Oh, let I me just get out my baby books here. <laughs> I guarantee. Notice I said books, plural. The Van Herc people, for people who don't understand the term, it's like there's some <laughs> kid I went to high school with that had like the hair that went over his earlobes or his ear, top of his ear. So only his earlobes were exposed. There's a very common 80s haircut. Yeah. Chuck Norris had them. Yeah, Chuck Norris, for sure. The kid's name was Steve Van Herc, I think. That's uh, hence the term. But the, but Van Herc sported the Van Hercks in like the early 90s. He was the first one. But in the early 90s. like People had this hairstyle like 1982, but Van Herc just continued having the hairstyle. But that, that's not that a TV show cut. Eight is Enough, like every character except for Dick Van Patten had Van Herc. Van Herc's, yeah. The women and women. <laughs> But kids in the 80s, and even kids today, like you look at people's children on Facebook, they still have that, that hairstyle. It's just like, it's, it's a very easy, you know, effortless haircut for a kid is you just put a bowl on and you just trim around. The problem is when someone still has that same haircut and they're 24 years old, you need to be wary. You need to, you need to run and hide, you right. know? And, what and was the, the Sandy Hook guy's name? I forget. I forget that kid's name, but that kid had a bowl cut. He's like 24. Right and the whole reason I'm bringing this up is... Dylan, Adam Lanza. Adam Lanza. Um, but the only reason I'm bringing this up is Dylan Roof, the, uh, the white supremacist, the uh, insane racist. He's not insane. The racist who walked into the uh, historic church in South Carolina and shot nine people. That guy, bowl cut. Got to be like, what? He's like 21. Don't let a kid, white kid... And when I say kid, I mean like mid-20s kid with a bowl cut into your church or into any building that you're in. <laughs> I mean, I would have been... You I, need to get one of those catch poles with a little hoop on the end that they use for like stray pit balls and just neck that guy. I'm sure they thought it was weird. You know, it's like, okay, who's this white guy wearing all black? He's old enough not to have a bowl cut hairdo and he's coming in here. Like I would, at that point, I would have just gone behind the altar or whatever they have in the in like one of those like confession booths and called 911 been like there's a white guy <laughs> with a bowl cut he's got to be 22 23 he's in my church something's gonna go down is it called the altar whatever it is a confession booth that's what i do the altar is where you like sacrifice a chicken or something right Maybe jews had, jews altar. had altars I, don't know. I think or the pews yeah. or whatever i'd have to hide behind a pew and i'd call 911 the rostrum <laughs> i don't even know what that is 
Don't even know what that is. Something. It's something you stand behind when you give a speech. The guy that recognized me last night was harmless. He, you know, he said it. He's probably drunk. Did not have a bowl cut. Um, he just walked away with his friends before his friends could be like, how do you know that guy? And then he's, before he had to explain, oh, I listened to a podcast. I don't think he wanted right. to explain that to his friends. Right. not going to get laid if he says that. Thought better of it. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering if I was going to have to take a selfie. You know, like, no. okay. I mean, I, I guess I... would just I, say no. I would have. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind. Well, you're, you're my, a fame whore, but I would have been like, no. <laughs> my girlfriend was impressed. She's like, wow, you got I recognized. Bet. It's like, yeah. Damn She's right, baby. <laughs> Like I, I, should, with you I should carry prints around so I could sign them when that happens. That's true. Headshots. Headshots. That's what I need. But yes, this kid did not have a bowl cut, so there's no need for me to be concerned. But initially, I was like, holy shit, you know, you never know. And this guy, this Dylan Roof, what a character. What a character this dude is. Yeah, he's quite a scamp. Quite a scamp. A lot of information's coming out about him right now. Um, this happened a few days ago. Dylan Storm Roof... Killed nine people at a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina, because he hoped it would start a race war. It's like, He's a, like, like uh, taking Charles a cue from Manson. Charles Manson. Yeah, Charlie Manson. 21-year-old from Lexington, South Carolina, drove all the way up to uh, Charleston to go shoot up a bunch of defenseless parishioners in a church. His race senior war. Senior citizen. Yeah, senior citizens, you know. This guy's not going into the hood to go shoot thugs. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go shoot some senior citizens in a church. Might as well have went into, like, a black nursing home. Started his race war over there. It kind of gives the lie to that whole, uh, you know, God will strike you down thing, though. Apparently that doesn't happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like may God strike me with lightning if I uh, didn't eat the last cupcake or something. You know, it's like a swearing an oath. But this guy, like, actually shot up a bunch of people inside a church. Inside and then church, sort of just yeah. waltzed out the door. But it was and God on break or something. He left the survivor too. Right. You know, he was like, he, because he wanted that person to spread the word. Right. That's um, what you used to do when you were, uh, you know, if you're like a God General Custer type, you're like murdering a bunch of Native Americans, that, but you'd leave one so I could go tell the other tribes. Yeah. I guess this guy warning. thinks that like uh, black people don't have TVs and radios and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, dude, the, the kid, there's all these pictures surfacing now. And uh, what we're about to talk about is a manifesto. Uh, someone uh, found his, paid 49 bucks uh, to access his manifesto uh, in an effort to prove that he's not insane. Because, uh, you know, usually in this situation, they're going to plead insanity. What but is this, that, about $45? $49. He had to pay to get access to this website that he is on. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, a, I don't know if it's a group of websites, but it's called The Last Rhodesian. And that's what's weird about this guy is uh, he had a... a I don't really want this website in my browser history, do I? Uh, probably not. I would, I would avoid looking up this one. Um, he had a Rhodesian flag and a, and a South African flag, but like an apartheid-era South African flag. Hmm. He wasn't um, standing in solidarity, like, we are the people or whatever. We all. What was that song back then? We are the Sun world. City? No, oh, Sun, Sun City. Sun City, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, actually I went I went to Sun City. <laughs> but with, there's uh, a song about it, which was yeah. anti Sun City. Yeah, but right? it was like uh with um the boss and a bunch of other people. Right. Yeah, it was it was a big song back in the eighties. But I remember in the eighties, uh, my grandfather came to visit and we went to Sun City to go check it out because and that's what you do. It's like a big resort, it's like Vegas. But the best thing about it is they had all these uh showgirls that danced. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we were at the pool white, playing, and I walked around. And white showgirls? Uh, dude, yeah. All these white showgirls are bathing topless. I'll never forget wow. it. And I just kind of walked over, and I saw it, and just sort of stood there, staring. And my sister like comes over, and she's like, well, come on. Come on, let's go. We got to go. And I was like, no. You go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pervert at a young age. I had a bowl cut um, and a boner. So, uh, yeah, this kid, there's all these photos posted to this website of this kid in front of, like, a Confederate, like, museum, like, a Confederate war, Civil War museum, and and, uh, just a bunch of other, like, posing with a Confederate flag, like, on his Hmm. car, he had a Confederate flag license plate. Remember that thing? (laughs) (laughs) That was big on television advertisements of our day. But there's a lot of information coming out about this guy right now. So, his lawyer came out and said and he got a lawyer because he was arrested just this past march at a mall in columbia um columbia south carolina he was charged with possession of uh, suboxone which i think is kind of just oxy see i read an article that he had suboxone when they uh you know apprehended him but that later on i guess maybe they went back to his apartment or something or his basement where he lives <laughs> probably more likely and he had cocaine meth and lsd it's definitely a pill popper. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is they say, you know, he never grew up in a racist household. Like his father, an I know his parents were never not in an openly racist. household. Well, I think everyone in the South is racist to some extent. Right. But uh, his uh, father and mother divorced. His father looks like his father got him a handgun. His father definitely looks like a gun toting redneck. But yeah, the mother would have been better normal. for everybody if he would have gotten him a hand job. Yeah. <laughs> Release some of this energy. You know, which, which is the case for most of these spree shooters. Right. Just, if you just get him a prostitute, get him a hand job. Elliot Roger? Know, Elliot Roger, same happened. thing. You know, if he would have got yeah. laid, I don't think he would have had all this angst. Right. Um, but apparently, so Matt, uh, the lawyer said Roof went into all these stores in the mall and started asking people questions, which made him uncomfortable. Yeah. And not appropriate questions like how much is this tchotchke type thing? No, what was he asking? Like, did he go into like a Bed Bath and Beyond? He's asking all these when, questions. When do the how many people work here? When does everybody leave? When do they lock the doors? If you work retail and somebody's asking you that, that's weird. Especially if that someone is a white guy over twenty with a bowl cut. Well, the bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, you got to be like, okay, time for you to go. Security, get this guy out of here. Hmm. Um, I would go so far as to say that the bowl cut is to 20-something-year-old white guys that the turban is to Middle Eastern Young jihadists. At the airport. Yeah, I think you got to watch out. <laughs> I think you see, a, you, you see a Middle Eastern guy in a turban, looks a little angry. If he's driving your cab, it's fine. But, but if you're at the airport... airport sitting next to you on a plane... <laughs> it's a problem. If white guy wearing all black, bowl cut, over 20... Same yeah. thing. Be wary. Be wary. So his uncle, who, uh, his uncle, who, who's been really outspoken in the media, his uncle's like, I mean, I'll pull the trigger of that electric chair. Give him death. I like it that it's his mom's brother, too. That makes it better for me somehow. Because he's just like, I don't give a fuck about your demon spawn, sister. <laughs> we keep saying nobody in his family had, had seen anything like this coming. Hmm. Um, my favorite is they, they interviewed his roommate. Could you imagine, like, you know, we were roommates. And if something like this, like, let's say I had a bowl cut and we lived together, I would have been, like, what, 30? Mm-hmm. You know, with a bowl cut. And I went out and did something horrible like this. Would you go on the news? Like, would you, would you be, be like, no, I don't want to talk to the news? Or, no, sure. 
Oh, I talked to the news <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't surprise me. He was always saying how he ha- hated old black church cars. <laughs> talked about it all the time. He's thirty years old, bowl cut. I Man, think he should fry. Hair. <laughs> I'll pull that. I'll, I'll pull the trigger. I'll pull By the, the way, uh, is anybody looking for uh, a roommate situation? <laughs> I need somebody to help pay the rent. Well, his roommate, his roommate was just some like you know white hick Hessian. He said that roof was. It was a bit into segregation and other stuff. You know, right. no biggie. It's kind of nor- not not any more than any other normal person who lives in this region. You know, a couple times he said he wanted to start a civil war. Say he was going to do something like that and then kill himself. I have a, here, I have a feeling that the general <laughs> concept down there is like, yeah, I know some good black people. But do I think it'd be better if, if they are all gone from here and we all just live with us whites? Yeah, of course I think we'd be better. I think a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. And, and what's amazing is, uh, is the news is, is just trying to, at first, now they can't because this manifesto came out, but at first they're just like, yeah, this isn't racially, you know, this isn't racially motivated. This wasn't a, ra- a crime, like a hate crime. I think everybody basically admitted it. Was now a they crime. are. I mean, the vast majority of everybody right out of the gate was like, clearly, this looks like it's racially motivated. Did you get? There's some <laughs> people who, who go on, you know, who say things like, "No, it's because they were Christian." But I mean, that's because being contrary is how they have people pay attention to them. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's it, it, do they? That, that's the thing. It's like, how can you say that without actually accepting the fact that this is this is a, a, a hate crime? I think there's probably people who said, you know, we should wait for all the facts to come in before we make sure. But yes, if you were to ask me what my guess is, yes, it's a hate crime. Even people on the far right. Well, now they can't argue because uh, the no, manifesto has been published. And uh, now people are, are, you know, getting some insight into this guy's thought process here. If you're going to commit a shooting like this, you have to write a manifesto. you got to write a manifesto. Like I if you're, you're going to commit suicide, you have to leave a suicide note. You can't just be like, I don't know. You just kill himself. No, you, you got to. If you're going to do a, a mass murder or some kind of spree killing like this, you need a manifesto. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's we need to figure out why you did it. You know, I'm going to go through this. I I wouldn't say this is a great manifesto, an epic manifesto by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at like the Unabomber's manifesto. That thing was like 140 pages. Well, that guy was a scholarly man. Yeah. But you're like Karl Marx. He had a hell of a manifesto. He wrote a book. That book was published. That's a manifesto. But then you look like like Elliot Rogers' manifesto. Right, that's more like a big Facebook wine session. Exactly. A whiny emo teen that can't get any pussy. Mm-hmm. So he's going to write about like, it's because I'm short. Fuck you, Elliot. I'm short. Wasn't his dad <laughs> in Hollywood? I mean, come on. There's lots of short Jewish wealthy dudes getting laid in Hollywood. How come he can't figure it out? The thing is, that kid didn't eat, He didn't even have a bowl cut. He was kind of normal looking, and he drove well, like a Mercedes Benz. It's like he wasn't that normal looking. If yeah, he but he had a Mercedes. It's like yeah, dude, he did have a nice car. You know, I mean, look at me. I'm driving a Prius, and I'm like not even five nine. You get laid. Yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> um, so anyway, this this manifesto though, what, what I do like about it is there is some um, there's some pretty funny comments. So I'm gonna get to this here. I he he talks about how he became a racist. And he said he wasn't raised as a racist, but he said living in the South, almost every white person has a small amount of racial awareness. That's exactly what I was simply, saying. Which you just pointed out. <laughs> but he said the event that awakened him was the Trayvon Martin case. Huh. Yeah. He said he um, felt that uh, it was obvious that Zimmerman was in the right. But then uh, because of that case, he uh, typed in the words, 
black on white crime into Google search. He's never <laughs> been he the same. A computer. <laughs> He's never been the same since that day. And uh, that's where he came upon the first website. But wait a minute. Zimmerman was a Latino dude. Does he... <laughs> How do racists feel about Latinos? Do they just think they're white? Well, he was mixed. Well, you know, that's the beauty of this manifesto. What I do like about it is the way it's structured. I mean, he goes on to each uh, race group, like each group, and, and points out what's wrong with <laughs> Leaves them. Leaves no stone unturned. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, a lot of the other ones are just, like, you look at, like, Elliot, what was his name? Not Elliot, but Dorner, the guy that right. ran off Chris into Dorner. the woods. Chris Dorner. He was black himself. He was black. And he, he had just a really... He didn't like the cops. Yeah, but he had just this really jumbled manifesto. It's like talking about Larry King and Howard Stern and then, you know, cops. <laughs> it's like, it didn't make sense. Like, this guy's at least a structured. Huh. You know what he would say about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how a white man writes his manifesto. Makes sense. The website that inspired him was the uh, Council of Conservative Citizens. You ever heard of this? Well, they sound like a fine, upstanding group. <laughs> yeah, I think all the members have to have a pillowcase embroidered with their name <laughs> oh. on it. Um, it's like, it, so it's the CCC, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, it used to be just called the White Council. But then they're like, yeah, we got to change the name. In the 80s, they it's changed it too. a little too on the nose. Council of Conservative Citizens. But, you know, I mean, they, they recommend it. Like Haley Barber, I think, was a former member or as appointed members of his staff from the council. Hmm. Um, it's basically just a bunch of racists can try to yeah. hide behind some kind of um, conservative group here, political group. So, but he, he was influenced by this. Uh, you know, it's definitely the internet. The internet, just with this uh, uh, extraordinary amount of information right in front of you, easily available. That's what I blame. I blame the internet and the fact that this guy couldn't get any, couldn't get any ass. You don't blame the bowl cut? The bowl cut's just a signifier? The, the bowl cut is just a result of not being able to get any ass. We could do, a, uh, we could do an experiment that like, you could get a bowl cut for a month and see how you feel about black people after that. Yeah, but you see a 40-year-old man walking around with a bowl cut. My work would probably immediately be like, I'd be down in <laughs> HR. It's for science. Just tell them it's an experiment. <laughs> Just doing an experiment for my podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that would go yeah, I can't, well. I can't do it. Um, he says Europe is the homeland of the white people. And in many ways, the situation is way worse over there. He goes, here, I found out about the Jewish problem and all the other issues they cause our race. So uh, he became racially aware after researching the Council of Conservative Citizens, finding out about the Jewish problem. And then he goes on to, uh, to specifically point out what's wrong with all the different races. He starts off with blacks. So it's fitting to start off with this group because they're the biggest problem. <laughs> says they're stupid and violent, but at the same time, they have the capacity to be very slick. <laughs> slick. Is this just, uh, you know, like his own opinions or has he researched these issues? You know, is there statistical, sociological studies that prove these these assertions? This guy isn't the Unabomber. No, he just went on Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, you know, watched a couple episodes of like Sanford and Son. Yeah, you I know? can see it. You know, they, sometimes black people are slick. I'll tell you that. <laughs> slick. What does that even mean? I don't I know. Have, well, he says black people view everything through a racial lens. Lens spelt wrong. There's uh, this is littered with uh, grammatical errors, which uh, mm. that's another problem. You should uh, definitely, you should definitely like do a spell check or get an editor, get somebody, someone to edit your uh, manifesto before you go commit your spree killing. Mm -hmm. um, he says that uh, part of the reason that black people get offended so easily is because they, they feel that everything is racist towards them. Even when a white person's not even thinking about race. What about when a white person shoots up your church? 
<laughs> they always think it's racist. They always think it's racist. He said the other reason is the Jewish agitation of the black race. What are we doing? I don't know. What are you doing? Maybe he found out. Is there a constant complaining? I, mean, I, I don't really know. What do we do to agitate the black race? I know. Do you show up like down, you know, in like South Central LA and you just go from house to house and you're like, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what the white people have been saying about you? I don't really Psst. get it. Psst. Hey, buddy. Hey, come here. I'm going to tell you something about whites. You know, do we go to like Popeye's Chicken and complain about having, you know, we Hand should have flyers. a few more, you know, a few more pieces of, uh, of chicken in here. He said it's a dozen, but come on. Baker's dozen. Baker's dozen is what I want. I think you should just go down to the church's chicken and like hand out leaflets about just the white agitating. menace. Yeah. Um, he says black people, this is my favorite part. Of, well, one of my favorite parts is the whole thing is kind of golden. I recommend uh, checking it out. It's not that long. Like, you know, you're not going to read the Unabomber's 140 page manifesto, but this guy's is like a blog. It's like a page. I um, tried his best. Yeah. What do you expect? He's got a bowl cut. He says uh, blacks are subconsciously viewed by white people as lower beings. They're held to a lower standard in general, which is why they can get away with things like obnoxious behavior in public. Hmm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's not obnoxious to uh, wear a bowl cut, drive around with a Confederate flag on your car, mm-hmm. go shoot up a church. Nothing Asking obnoxious crazy about that. questions at the mall. Yeah. High on bath salts. <laughs> yeah, those all seem like very antisocial behaviors. He does admire South Africa, this apartheid era South Africa. He goes, um, he says, some people feel as though the South is beyond saving, that we have too many blacks here. He goes, I say, look at history. He goes, South Africa had such a small minority, but they held the black and apartheid for years and years. So, which, is, which is funny to me because I lived Seems in like South Africa. Seems like kind of Africa. muddled thinking. They had, they had a small minority, and they held, but he's saying that people think that the South has too many minorities? No, he's saying like a small minority of power. So if you oh, like, a small minority of white people. When I lived in South Africa, I mean, black people outnumbered white people ten to one. It shows, but yet I the know. white people, uh, you know, were in charge of the country. They're the racist, <laughs> the Afrikaners, who hmm. didn't like Jews either, by the way. No, but uh, I, just living there, I remember it was. You could tell it was a tinderbox. There's a, a a time would come. When they're going to lose the, their grasp on out. power. Well, yeah. I mean, it just, uh, you know, as soon as like, uh, I think the ANC started becoming a, a, a viable political group, it's like all of a sudden all the Jews are like, yeah, we're going to take off. Good Australia. Good England. So, so finally, like my dad's like, yeah, I think we're going to go back to the States. <laughs> as soon as the Jews start leaving, you should be worried. Um, yeah. He, then he goes on to all these like physiological differences between black people and oh, white boy. people, like oh, boy. <laughs> like, like skull part. shape and hair and skin. Oh, it's like uh, he's like, how could our brains be exactly the same? Yeah, Hitler had that too. Uh huh. But let's skip ahead to Jews. That's what I like about here is what he says about Jews. He goes, unlike many white nationalists, I'm of the opinion that the majority of American European Jews are white. Ooh, that's a contentious statement. <laughs> I wonder what the, his fellow Aryans think about that. I don't know. Maybe he's not invited back to the club. I think he's going to get kicked out of the club with uh, thoughts like that. He says, in my opinion, the issues with Jews is not their blood, but their identity. He says, if we could destroy the Jewish identity, then they wouldn't cause as much of a problem. This guy could, you know, be a professor of race and ethnicity, if you think about it. He's got, all, he's got some <laughs> good concepts. They're deep. Maybe at a southern university. It's not the blood. It's the identity of the, the, identity. Of the group. The culture. He says the problem is Jews look white. And uh, yet they see themselves <laughs> as minorities. 
<laughs> just like the blacks. Uh-huh. Um, most Jews are always thinking about the fact that they're Jewish. Yeah, am I guilty of that? Have I ever I once know. said, you know, as a Jew or I'm Jewish or have I ever pointed, pointed out that fact here on the show? Yeah, you have. <laughs> well, hey, you know, it's, it's hard not to be constantly reminded of it. I mean, you look at my nose in, in the mirror every day. It's hard not to remember you're a Jew, you know? Well, he's saying you look white. So there. I I think he doesn't know that many Jews. (laughs) Uh, He said the other issue is that they they network. There's a Jewish network out there. He goes, if we, he goes, here's the solution to the problem. He goes, if we could turn every Jew blue for 24 hours, I think there'd be a mass awakening because people would finally see who are the Jews out there and plainly see what's going on. I am I am for this idea. Can like, we make this happen? The Jewish I mean, Smurf I plan. I just think it would be funny for a bunch of just blue people <laughs> walking around for a day. The Jewish Smurf plan. Yeah. I wonder which Smurf I would be. Brainy ha- Smurf. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Brainy Smurf. I thought you were going to say like uh, Handy Smurf or something like that. Or the gay. Who's the gay Smurf? The gay Smurf. Remember there was that gay Smurf with the mirror? Vanity Smurf? Vanity Smurf, yeah. So thanks yeah. for not saying that. I, I'd rather be the Brainy Smurf. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that. Um, what was the blue per- person movie? Uh, the Blue Man Group? <laughs> no, James Cameron. Oh, uh, um, oh shit. How it, do we so. forget about that? Yeah. yeah where they well, were like those really big blue people, but she was kind of hot. Those are all Jews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were tall. Like, I think they need to be short. They'd have to have frizzy hair, well, it's big a, noses. It's a Hollywood fantasy, and we know who runs Hollywood. Who are the creatures from Star Trek that you bring up every now and then? <laughs> I don't know. Those racist Jewish caricatures <laughs> oh, from Star Trek. Oh, the, uh, the Ferengi. They're orange. Oh, they're though. orange. Okay, I mean, so. they're clearly, they have huge ears and noses, <laughs> and all they care about is money. How come he didn't act on the Jewish Smurf plan? Like, going to a synagogue with a bucket of blue paint? Just start or painting just, on uh, the... <laughs> like, food coloring. <laughs> Put it in the matzah. I guess he could do that. I think it'd be easier just going with spray paint. Just spray yeah. paint a bunch of blue. Or some water blue. balloons just full of blue paint. Hurl them in there. I mean, we'd all be laughing if he did that instead of shooting up a black church if he just threw some blue paint water balloons inside a, inside a synagogue. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't Shabbos. be as funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think it would be as, uh, you know, I don't think it would have been as shocking. But it's still shocking, as, but as confusing, We'd though. all be having a laugh about it today instead of, you know, mourning Hilarity would ensue. It wouldn't be saying it's a tragedy. Um, he says, I don't pretend to understand why Jews do what they do. They are an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes on to Hispanics. Where he did says, he learn that word, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. Enigma? <laughs> enigma. He read that somewhere. He says Hispanics are obviously a huge problem for Americans, but there are good Hispanics and bad Hispanics. He says, I remember watching uh, Hispanic television stations. The shows and even the commercials are even more you know, white he's than our own. off to the titties, right? I think he was watching the Bumblebee show. Yeah, titties. Ay, ay, Dios mio. Well, and he likes uh, Zimmerman. Oh, yeah. He's so, a good Mexican. Probably likes Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does, he does uh, emphasize they are still our enemies. <laughs> then he goes on to uh, East Asians, and this surprised me. He says, I have great respect for the East Asian races. Even if we were to go extinct, they could carry something on. They are, by nature, very racist and could be great allies of the white race. It is true that they're very racist. Aren't they the most racist culture? Yeah, they have to be. But, I mean, they're racist to outsiders, like uh, white people and black people, but they're racist to their own kind. 
I know. Like if you don't come from the right East Asian country, like they, they, I think they hate, you know, one East Asian country people hate the other East Asian countries even more than they hate whites and blacks. Yeah, but they hate Filipinos. I think they think that's, there's like a, yeah, there's definitely like a hierarchy. Like Japanese people hate Chinese people. Yep. Chinese people hate Japanese people. Yeah. North Koreans just hate everybody. Um, then it goes on to this whole thing about patriotism and then uh, how we're fighting war, the wars for the Jews. Uh, it doesn't support that. And here's his explanation. This is why he did what he did. He goes, I have no choice. I'm not in the position to go alone into the ghetto and fight. Uh, because you're a coward. You'd rather just go into a church and kill a bunch of uh, defenseless parishioners. But that's fine. Um, senior citizens, by the way. Uh, he says, I chose Charleston because it's the most historic city in my state and one time had the highest ratio of blacks to whites in this country. He said, we have no skinheads, no KKK, uh, no one doing anything but talking on the internet. So someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world. And I guess it has to be me. Yeah, it's real brave to go shoot up a bunch of senior citizens. This guy should be proud, proud of his white heritage. He didn't kill himself. He's going to have to, you know defend his actions in court and then go to jail and be the darling of the Aryan races in there. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be really popular amongst a lot of the uh, black inmates in uh, No, prison. but he'll just, he'll be fine if he goes to jail. He'll just be part of the, uh, I mean, he'll probably just go on death row, which would be great. But uh, if he doesn't, in general pop, he'll just become part of the Aryan gang. Do you think he'll keep the bowl cut in prison or really just shave it all off? I, I would recommend head. getting rid of the bowl cut. Unless he wants to be the biggest, baddest Aryan dude's girlfriend. You know, it Maybe didn't work out well for Dahmer, because he had that bowl cut, and then he started pulling all those pranks in pranks. prison. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it's going to fare well for uh, Dylan over here, too. Um, it, you know, it said he tried to kill himself, but he ran out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> um, he does mention, please forgive any typos. I didn't have time to check it. See, that's, that's your problem. That's what separates a good manifesto from a great manifesto. Right. And as much as I searched, it's, uh, you know, it's unclear whether he even had a job to support himself. So I don't know what he's talking about that he doesn't have any time. Yeah. What, what did he do? Just, he just sat around doing oxy. Doing oxy. Going to racist websites. Collecting various bowls <laughs> that he used to cut his hair with. Thinking about painting Jews blue. Right. <laughs> anyway, it's another one of these mass shootings. You know, next week, I'm sure there will be another one. Um, maybe, maybe this one will involve cops just killing a bunch of black kids at a pool party. So, um, yeah, we just got to get these guns off the street. Just another day in the U.S. of A. Uh, people, you're listening to Sick and Wrong, episode 488 here. You know the way the show works. Uh, Wacken and I talk about disturbing news items that you send to us, actually. You can submit your news items to uh, sickandwrongpodcast.com. Submit them via Facebook or Twitter. And uh, we'll read them here on the air and uh, comment on them with our witty comments. And uh, if we give you credit, we'll send you a Sick and Wrong Care package. Uh, we did get some fine stories here, some fine upstanding stories for this episode. Before we get to our first one, Here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add a little spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase. Free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, 
We can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. So the first story comes in from Rob. Rob says, happy Father's Day. And, and, you know, neither one of us are fathers, Rob. No. You know, and uh, my father's dead, Not so I'm actually kind of offended. What did, what did you do uh, for Papa Wackerly? Did you give him a call? I did give him a call. Did you send him a tie? No, I don't. We don't socks? do gifts. Oh, you don't do gifts for Father's Day? No. Did you I when you were a kid? Gifts, gifts for anything. Maybe. I don't remember. Hmm. Does, uh, <laughs> Father's Day does not hold a lot of significance for me. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I remember expecting uh, some big anecdote. Yeah, I remember for Father's Day, as we got older, I would just like just give my dad a call. But I think when I lived there, I used to get him like I, I thought it was really funny to get my dad Bob Marley tapes because he liked Bob Marley, and I just oh, thought okay. it was funny the way he would cruise around in his uh, car just blast because my dad was kind of hard of hearing, so he would just <laughs> blast Bob Marley just pull into the temple through the hood. Just yeah, just through the hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have got him Dr. Dre, the chronic. Might have liked it. Yeah, you might have turned him onto it. This is a good Father's Day story. It uh, definitely uh, captures the spirit of Father's Day, what it means to be a father um, and a cop. New Jersey cop allegedly murdered his ex-wife in front of their daughter. Right before Father's Day here. Mm. It's happened in Neptune, New Jersey. Police Sergeant Phil Seidel shot and killed his ex-wife, Tamara Seidel, in front of the couple's seven-year-old daughter. It's happened in Asbury Park. It's the name of a good Bruce Springsteen album. Um, There's a bizarre 30-minute standoff with police. After the standoff, Seidel was arrested on the scene and charged with murder. All I got to say is this guy is very lucky he's not black, because I think the outcome would have been different. Um, Seems to be true. Before the killing, Seidel chased his ex-wife through Asbury Park until he crashed his Honda into her Volkswagen Jetta, forcing it into another parked car. He then exited. (laughs) This doesn't speak well of... uh the salary of cops in the area. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a police sergeant. He drove a Honda Pilot. His ex-wife drives a Jetta. A Jetta. How much do you mm. think a police sergeant makes? Don't they make like eighty at least? Don't they? No, more. Than, I would think more than. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you're right. It's different town to town. Out here, they make more than that. No, and that's not that a Jetta is this terrible car. It's just it's the very, Honda yeah, crashing. I mean, the Honda crashing into the Jetta to me, I don't know, instant depression. Like if this guy had like a, a Lexus uh, SUV or something, sure, you know, an Escalade, right. and he was smashing into the wife's uh, Mercedes, you'd mm-hmm. think differently. You'd be like, okay, well, you know, they this guy <laughs> earns a decent amount of money. However, you got to one point I haven't brought up yet is the number of kids that this couple has. Oh no, yeah, they have a lot. Uh, Seidel exited after he stopped his wife's Jetta. He walked over to her side of the car and fired his service handgun into her, wheel, into her windshield seven times. Wow. Uh, Seidel's daughter was sitting in the passenger seat of his SUV watching the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the shooting. 
Uh, Seidel was arrested after a standoff with Asbury Park police, some of them who knew him personally. Uh, so they took his daughter into custody. He walked around with his gun to his head. And then uh, he paced with a gun to his head. And then he just walked over and fired more rounds at his ex-wife. Yeah, well. Yeah. And then, he, the lily. and then he surrendered after officers passed him a mysterious small black box. The box's contents and what about them evidently inspired him to surrender are unclear. This is, what, this is what I find to be kind of enigmatic about this story. There's that word again. <laughs> it's the word of the day. Um, witnesses uh, said that the officers hugged and comforted him as they took him into custody. Once again, he's lucky he's not black. Because any black guy walking around with a gun pointed to his head screaming and then unloading another barrage of bullets. What if he was a black police officer? I think he still would have been shot. Hmm. I think. Oh, maybe Remains not. Maybe police seen. officers care about their own their own uh, people. Yeah. I guess it, it depends. Yeah, you know, they care about blue people. Blue bring people. It back yeah. Into, back Although, full circle. Maybe Jersey cops are more caring than LAPD. Did you hear about recently? LA, uh, LAPD shot some guy in the head who was trying to wave him down with a towel. Mm-hmm. They thought it was a gun. <laughs> There's the towel again. It's like, here's a towel. And they're just like, let's shoot the guy. Um, was it a red towel? <laughs> no, it was like a white, it was a white towel. Oh, universal symbol just, of surrender. The dude was waving the white towel and they just like pulled out their gun and shot him in the head. Hmm. But that's LAPD. Shoot first, think about it later. Right. Um, the standoff Dorner came to an end after uh, these police officers slid this small blank box about the size of a cupcake box to Seidel. After looking at the object... He raised his arms over his head and walked out in the street to surrender. Dropped the gun. He was bawling his eyes out. So what's in the box? No idea. Something was in that box. It's probably something lame, like pictures of all his fucking 18 children or whatever you said he had. I think it was fat girl porn. No. Maybe. I don't see giving yourself up for fat girl porn. You never know. I mean, maybe it was a... I mean, maybe it was a picture. Yeah, it must have been a picture of his kids, probably. Yeah, lame. I'm trying to think of what would make Sorry, the uh, surrender and ball. But they don't explain what it was. Must have been something. It must have been like uh, maybe a Father's Day gift the daughter gave to him last year or something. A Twinkie. A Twinkie. Yeah, Twinkie I don't know. Defense. Who knows? We'll never uh, know. Maybe the pack of condoms he should have wore, then he wouldn't be in this situation with his custody battle. Um, that's why he was having a problem with his ex-wife. Too much uh, alimony. Yeah, well, listen to this. He was, so he's bawling his eyes out. They took him into custody. Some of the officers were hugging him, patting him on the back. You know, wouldn't you still have your gun out, your taser ready to just uh, draw your taser on the guy? I mean, the dude did just shoot his wife like fourteen times. Right. Yeah, I don't know. They probably thought he was going to shoot himself. I mean, that—that's the most likely outcome there. Because you're not going to—you're not going to battle the whole police department with your one gun. Like, you might kill one guy, but then they're going to, like, you know, you're going to be decimated. I like this. They said officials are investigating why police didn't use force to apprehend Seidel while he was firing the second round of shots at his ex-wife. Did, did they think that she would have been saved? Yeah, I mean, possibly. <laughs> Do you uh, think they were like, well, his ex-wife was kind of a bitch. Sort of sucked. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they knew what she was up to. She wouldn't let us watch football at his house. <laughs> Snacks sucked. 
Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, the, the guy shot her like seven times. There's a chance she could have been alive. The fact that he went over and unloaded like another whole round of bullets. Yeah. Don't you think he would have been shot if this guy wasn't Her a police officer? blood is on all their hands now. Exactly. <laughs> um, if he wasn't a police officer, though, I think he would have been blown away. If this is LAPD, the guy probably wouldn't even need to have a gun. Blue person. Could have a donut. He's a blue person. Pays to be blue. Yeah. Uh, so we should all just join the police department, then there'll be no more... Uh, you know, cop on civilian violence. Or paint yourself blue. What race was the dude who got shot in the head by LAPD? Oh, he, I think he was a white guy, actually. Oh. Maybe, or Mexican. I think he might have been Mexican. <laughs> well, some of the Mexicans are good. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. Uh, Seidel reportedly shouted at his ex-wife about legal battles over custody of their nine children. <laughs> nine nine children so that's that's a problem that's why this guy's driving or his wife's driving a volkswagen jetta how much money it costs to raise nine kids in new jersey i mean it's, it's gotta a cost money. a lot of, yeah and a, a police sergeant salary does his wife or ex-wife work um i'm not sure they don't go into that but uh tamara seidel i guess they've been going back and forth in legal battles custody uh custody disputes uh, she alleged in a complaint filed two years ago that her husband was abusive and unfaithful. Uh, the complaint describes Seidel holding a gun to his head, once again, he's a fan of doing that, while his then-wife was pregnant and kicking her in the stomach. It was also on Father's Day that he did this. I'm, I'm lying about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Got to tie that Tamara, in. huh? Are these people black? No, they're white. Tamara. You, may, you might want to look it up. I actually didn't get a picture. But I thought he's, the picture that I saw the guy. It's getting, hard to say. It's hard to say. Tomorrow could be a white both, trash name. They're both name, these though. people. They could pass either way. But tomorrow could be a white trash name. The regular Tammy. Rachel Dozels here. Dozel. <laughs> um, <laughs> like really, it's it. You could go either. It's like the white, white, white and gold, bl blue and black dress. Like depending on how you look at the picture, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to post He's got that his one. head shaved, which also makes it hard. You can't tell if he has white person or black person hair. He and looked she white obviously to me. has uh huh? He looked white to me in the uh, mm. the picture I saw. White or light skinned. Uh, he said he told police he's tired of going to court. And uh, I guess he had made he told uh, <laughs> That's your his job, his dude. You're a cop, you have to go to court. Yeah. Or he just means just in relation to his marriage. Well, I, I do think uh, had he been another race, had he not been a blue person. I don't think he'd be living today. Anyway, okay. what do you got here for the second story? This one's a little bit more upbeat. It's from Dwayne, who's our friend from London. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. He um, had me huff like a shot or something. Mm-hmm. Behind the ball shot? No. It was like a shot of some kind of uh, like uh, like fireball or some kind of, okay. yeah, some kind of like Cinnamon Jaeger or fireball. I think it was fireball. But okay. they lit it and then like you just huff it. Mm -hmm. um, this happened in Hampton Court Palace, which is in London, I think. <laughs> and the Cardinal Wolsey Hotel and Restaurant. There's a 53-year-old American guy named Charles Charles Hickox, 
and he's a bit of a like a strange character he um he's odd in appearance and manner he was scruffy and unkempt he would walk around with uh plastic blue plastic bags include that uh, carried tennis rackets bottles of wine and two ornamental mice that he would place on the table in front of him at restaurants and have conversations with this guy have a bowl cut no he has long <laughs> scraggly beard bushy beard and long gray hair wow is this alan moore <laughs> no he's an american <laughs> oh, okay all right 52 years old he's in the i mean he probably would be friends with alan moore i would think yeah no Maybe he sounds insane he just carries these mice around with him you'd think he was insane except um he actually had a great deal he had access to a great deal of money and was off frequently uh, staying in fancy hotels and they say that he's a successful gambler who had struck it rich at Newmarket and was said to have a talent for calculating the odds. Hmm. So, so he's we, just a wealthy gambler, this guy. Yeah, but was he just one of those like itinerant gamblers that just cruised from city to city, made his fortune? Like This is like some guy out of Deadwood. Right. That's exactly what he is. Well, here's what happened. He was at uh, the Cardinal Woolsey Restaurant Hotel, and the owner had switched out three expensive bottles of Italian wine that Mr. Hickox had bought for 65 pounds a piece, which is pretty expensive, with cheap vintage wine uh, before they ejected him from the bar. So what kind of Mm. joint is this guy running? So wait, why did they eject him? Was he... The guy's name is Rostam Notarki. Oh, he sounds like he might be Middle Eastern. (laughs) Perhaps, but not that that matters. I don't know. It just seems like the kind of place where they sort of screw you around and then kick your ass out. I mean, was he upset about the conversation he was having with the mice? Maybe. He's bothering the other customers. Mr. Hickox returned to the pub brandishing a tennis racket in each hand. Wow. (laughs) Like some kind of a... Like a samurai. Like a samurai mixed with, you know, a tennis player. Like a John McEnroe samurai. There you go. He told some of his... He had companions... That's the only mention uh, that there is of these mysterious companions. But he wait, told his companions, wait a second. Companions that weren't furry mice? Maybe it was the mice. Okay. He told them that he might have to crack some ribs to get his missing credit card. Well, this is, <laughs> the this is definitely escalating into a, a, a much more action-packed narrative. So he finally gets into the Cardinal Wolsey, and he pushed the landlord with one of the rackets before running off. With Notarki giving chase outside the pub, carrying an ironing board, and Notarki's son, Keon, holding an iron bar. Okay. It's like a regular Game of Thrones battle with the tennis rackets and the ironing board and the... It's like the fighting bits of Marine here. I like the unconventional weaponry, though. I, I was kind of hoping that the uh, the son, instead of having an iron bar, would have like a vacuum cleaner or something. I know. The iron bar kind of is like an actual weapon. Yeah, you could definitely bludgeon someone to death Baton. with that. But an ironing board? like, And not only that, like you got to admire that. The ironing board is cumbersome. Like, it, Well, you can also use it as a shield, I guess. I guess you could use that as a shield, yeah. Or a surfboard. Or you can use it to iron your pants. Yeah, many, many different uses. uses. <laughs> well, there were witnesses who said that uh, Mr. Hickox at this point was running away looking terrified and running for his life. He was getting chased by an iron guy holding yeah, why do you go iron in there? board. He's wielding tennis rackets around and now he's, now he's terrified? Like, come on, dude. Do you think the guy cheated him at like some kind of gambling 
Well, game, it says, like he, it says he, sw- he tried to buy buy three bottles of wine for 65 pounds a piece, and then he got the old switcheroo. Oh, so he got cheated. And, well, and I think the main problem was that they kept his credit card. He just wanted his credit card back. Hmm. I think all the, I think the, I think what's being unsaid here is that he's probably wasted. When you're buying three, you know, $100 bottles of wine and you have your little mice out and you've got your bags with your tennis rackets, you're probably <laughs> drunk already and you leave your credit card behind. You know, he was just drunk and disorderly and that's how he got kicked out. Probably a bit mental. A bit mental also. Well, what happened was that uh, as he was running away from the proprietor and his son, the proprietor uh, reached up over his head with the ironing board, then propelled it forward without letting it go. So he didn't throw it at him, but he jabbed it at him and he hit him in the back of the head. And then Mr. Hickox fell and hit his head on the front passenger wheel. And remember, this is in London, so it's on the left side. Uh, Front passenger wheel of a parked uh, delivery van, it sounds like, that would stop at the scene. He, uh, (laughs) afterwards, the landlord threw the ironing board to the ground in a temper, followed by Kean, who picked it up and took it back inside. Kean is his son. So did the son even get to use the, uh, the, uh, the crowbar? No, he (laughs) did the iron bar. A passing police officer tried to come to the victim's aid before the actual, uh, you know, ambulance showed up. But Mr. Hickox, uh, had suffered significant head injuries, including a fractured skull, and he died an hour later. His visa card was not among his belongings at the time of his death. Well, there you go. And, uh, so in addition to causing this person's death, reckless endangerment, manslaughter, whatever, uh, just mayhem, the proprietor and his son, and also the barman... Merad Mohamdi, Momadi, sorry. They actually hid the CCTV hard drive before the cops came. Oh, so this is all caught on film. Well, everything in London is caught on film. They have those cameras everywhere. Dude, you can't take a shit in London without being on TV. Yeah, seriously. Don't go to London unless you want to be filmed taking a shit. Exactly. God. Can't do anything. It's like an Orwellian nation. Mm. Um... So wait, this guy didn't throw like the ironing board like a javelin. He just wielded it like a broadsword. I think he more like poked it like a like a one of those fencing swords or maybe like just a kendo him. blade. Hmm. Kendo is that a word? Is that but the I guess one with he the was Japanese running after swords? him. Yeah. I wonder if he had it above his head and just like shoved That's it forward. That's what it forward. sounds like. Yes. Wow. I wonder if this is the first reported case of death by ironing board. If it's not the first, it's it's one of a very few. Well, um, this guy isn't a fearsome tennis racket fighter. I think John McEnroe <laughs> would have done much more damage. He needs more tennis damage. racket work. Well, except he's dead now. Well, he's dead. So what, who gets the mice? It doesn't say. Maybe they're going to be buried with him, like a like King Tut well, and his brides. Who's where's this guy going to get buried? Like this is what this guy is one of those dudes that has a checkered past. If he has a he's past got a lot at of all. money, though. I mean, yeah, no if you have a lot of is. money and no will and no family, where do they use that money to bury you? Or are they just like, no, we're just putting you with all the other losers who have no, nothing to their name or any family. And then we're keeping all the money. We being, you know, the city. The queen. The queen gets it? I, I think the enough. queen gets it. I think that's the way it works. Where does he get buried, though? Like in a Mark Grave in, uh, in, uh, the, in the, the UK? 
I also wonder, like, how much effort are they going to put into finding his, you know, brethren, his family? I don't know. Like, are they just like, well, he doesn't have an ID. I assume that, you know, if he has a nephew, maybe they would read this article and find and go to get all that cash, that sweet, sweet cash. I bet you this is the type of guy that has, like, his cash buried somewhere. Like, it's probably buried somewhere, like in Ireland or something, and he knows where it uh, is. Like a pirate's treasure type of thing? Yeah. Like this guy is definitely, uh, I would say, this dude has has his stuff buried somewhere. Just some random person in the future is going to find it. Or, you know, his ne- or his nephew finds a map or something. <laughs> Amongst his belongings in the plastic bags? Well, there's got to be something. Rolled up in the tennis racket handle? Did you do you have any uncles like this that are just unmarried but they're not gay and they're just weird? No. At that age? Do you? No, not not that I can think of, but I do remember in the uh congregation there was a guy. Did you did you ever go to a store called Norman's in Bay City? <laughs> no, but is the guy's name Norman? I, I think so. But uh, <laughs> there was a store downtown Bay City, Michigan. What do they it was sell? Really weird just like uh, you know, it was kind of like uh, that. There's another store called Mill End there that was just like it's so Mill like, End. I've been to Car Hearts and just like Carhartt junk. overalls, just kind of just general items. junk. Yeah, and it was just weird. Like you go there and you get Levi's. I think I went there 70. when I went off to college because I had to buy like some shitty plates and silverware that were cheap. You could just buy random stuff. That's what uh, Norman's was like. But this guy, I remember when I had my bar mitzvah, he was Jewish. No one had ever seen him. No one had seen him in years. But he sent me like a check for like five hundred dollars. Never well, even knew you're him. The rabbi's kid. Rabbi's get, kid. Yeah, didn't get with God. So he didn't we, give a shit about you. Personally. No, he, no, I don't think he. I don't think he cared. But so we, um, I just sent him a thank you note. But the uh, it kept getting whatever address that it came from kept getting sent back. So my mom was like, "We got to go to Norman's and, uh, and drop it like, off at the store." Can't we just forget about it? And move yeah, it was on. Like, I got five hundred. You know, I got. Five hundred dollars from the guy. Who cares? Yeah. But she's like, no, we sh- we should do this. Transactions over. Right I tried do. to send him a thank you card, and it bounced back. Done. But then the temple gave us another address for the guy, so we drove to this dude's house, and he this lived. Sounds like, like you're gonna get murdered. Well, we just wanted to give. My mom was like, uh, just adamant that I I give him this thank you note because of the amount of money he gave me. Uh-huh. So we drove all the way to this dude's house, and he lived in this like. It's kind of modest, but it was, it was pretty big. But in like Michigan, you can get a huge, like a two-story home for like eighty grand, you know. Well, back then, even cheaper. But it was like past Midland where this guy lived, where the Amish live. I don't know what area that is. But uh, we drove all the way out there. He had this secluded house. We went over, knocked on the door, and this dude shows up, and he was wearing like one of those old, like old West style like bathing or like a dressing gowns kind of thing okay it's really weird yeah. big must he had like a big mustache big beard uh long kind of gray hair and at least 40 cats hmm and you could just tell like this dude he's lost he was it. probably no but he's probably worth like thousands of dollars mil- or millions of dollars like i mean the guy owned like a couple different stores i guess at one time this norman's was a chain <laughs> and so he had all this money but i mean you look at this weird house i think it's the same kind of guy he probably had this money buried somewhere no one will ever know. <laughs> Somebody will find it <laughs> randomly. Some person just digging a hole to bury their cat or something. I remember just being really weirded out, and I just was like, hey, thank you. Can we go now? See, you, you blew it. Well, you know, I could have... You should have tried to become his best friend, you dumbass. We didn't have any, you know, kids of his own or any heirs. 
to speak of. You yeah, could actually, be rolling in it right now. That would have been a really good idea. I but you fucking just tried to take the $500 and get out quickly. Well, the guy freaked me out. I mean, he was this weird hermetic, <laughs> like, push through it. freak, <laughs> long hair. Who knows what that, what that guy's, guy has in his house. We just walked in, like, up on the porch, and you could just see cats everywhere. And then the dude's in this, like, weird, like, Ebenezer Scrooge dressing gown. You should have been like, Mama, I love the kittens. Can I stay? Mr. Norman, can I change the litter boxes? (laughs) Do you need somebody to put ointment on your legs? I'm just the man for that. He would have died, and he would have given me a map to his buried treasure. You you might have had to jerk him off a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, think about it. You could have recruited Jeffrey for that. I Art? probably could have given him a cut. Yeah, I probably would have given him a small cut, small portion of the Jew gold. I know, and it'd be a different situation. Would be doing this podcast for nine years, that's for sure. I'd be in, uh, I don't know, Belize or something. A bunch <laughs> Belize. Of hoes. Yeah, <laughs> all rich people love going to Belize. <laughs> anyway, we gotta we gotta move on to phone calls. People, send your stories. Stick around. Podcasthotmail.com. We got a few phone calls to get to. Two zero six 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 three eight four six is that number. Before we get to our first one, here's another word from our sponsor. Hey kids, do you like sex toys? Yeah! Then go to adamandeve.com and make a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. You'll get 50% off your first item, three free adult DVDs, free shipping, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it on this podcast about murder and bukkake. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, like your uncle used to do to you. So, Wacker, we got a few phone calls here to get to. Um, the first one is a uh, good friend of the show, right here. Hey! <laughs> Trucker Paul. Paul. Was three minutes I heard right you there. guys were uh, questioning uh, if I would have sex with Caitlyn Jenner, or whatever her name is now. And, uh, yes, I would. But I'd be <laughs> calling her Bruce the entire time. Oh. <laughs> Adios! That's Lick nice my balls. Short. I like that. Lick my balls. Come <laughs> <Come> again. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, there you go. I knew it. It's kind of weird, though. Why would he be calling him Bruce? Is it because he doesn't believe that the transgender shift occurred? Just dominance. You think? Uh, dominance, yeah. yeah. Humiliation. Would uh, Caitlyn Jenner be considered a flat cell? No, she's got big tits. Hmm. So she probably wouldn't qualify as a lot lizard. N- no. Well, a lot lizard is all about your attitude and... You, that would make a hell of a story, though, if Caitlyn Jenner just for some reason, just something like she became a pedophile or something, some, something embarrassing came out. She was castigating the public eye. Lost all um, her money. Yeah, her family up. alienated her. She was just like lost all her money. And then like, you know, 10 years from now, you just see her just skulking around a, a, a truck stop. <laughs> She's like 78 years old. <laughs> That's when I would do a documentary. You'd be like, lady. Somebody get can somebody get like senior care out here? <laughs> Fucking Skeletor. Uh, that's when I would do a documentary. I just call it Caitlin. Be interesting. Uh, thanks, Trucker Ball. Good to hear from you. Um, here's another story about a uh, an incident on a college campus. Yo, what the fuck up, sick and wrong? Uh, ain't called in a while. This is Big Papa Smurf right here. Remember that Remember guy? Person? 
Big Papa Smurf. <laughs> a big blue person. He's a I big blue guy. What persuasion he is. <laughs> I would say he's Jewish for sure. Sounds like it. Um, I had a little bit of a, I had another fucking story for you niggas. Um, so I'm sitting over on the fucking college campus. There's this little fucking area where, you know, everybody gets like every fucking Saturday, you know, every fucking retard in the school gets to get up on their fucking soapbox and feel important for a day, you know, that kind of shit. But we had one like that, didn't we? The Diag. Yes. At uh, University of Michigan. When you're like in your 20s and you feel really strongly about fucking saving the whales or something, you just go yell about it for like three hours on your Palestinians Saturday. Palestinians or something. Yeah. Yeah, Palestinians. That's a big one. Um, yeah. You, and it was just kind of like this uh, platform. Like people go out there and set up their soapbox and just like, some people even have meta- megaphones and would just go out there and just yeah. like yell shit. Then there'd be other guys playing ultimate frisbee and hacky sack. With acoustic guitars. Guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I hated the Diag. I'd go out of my way to avoid it. Especially because back then I had dreadlocks and people thought I was like part of the uh, hacky sack community. Mm-hmm. You know? You never hacked a sack? Is that what you're trying to say? No. Never? I did not hack their sack. Never once? No. I don't think I'm coordinated enough, number one. But number two, I uh, loathe hacky sacking. Seems like something odd to have such strong opinions about, but okay. How many times did you hack a sack? Oh, I've hacked many a sack. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I bet you have. You know, I never did. I never was into it. I probably, you know. Wait, wait. I didn't say I was into it. I'm not I like didn't. a hacky sack enthusiast. Did you have your own wax sack? No. <laughs> yeah, right. Just had an embroidered W on it. Let's get Wackerly's wax it's an sack. M. It's an M. <laughs> I, I was sitting there. I'm a metalhead. I, you know, you might not wow. expect this, but yeah, I listen to fucking metal. And I'm surprised. I was banging some fucking goat whore out of my little speaker, nice. and this fucking Christian dude walks up that was fucking trying to evangelize everyone and shit. But he walks up and asks me, "Son, do you worship? Do you worship the devil?" And I, I look him in his eyes and I tell him, "If I say I do, will you go away." And at that point, he doesn't say anything. He immediately he proceeds to fucking whip out some fucking holy water and start exercising a fucking demon out of me. And here's where it gets really fucking weird, because I'm sitting there, and I'm you know at this point I'm just annoyed. But well, yeah, then splashing water, another guy comes, and then some then another fucking random lady walks up, and then more, and then, and then like one by one, like. 20 fucking people flock around me. All white guys, guaranteed. Trying to exercise a fucking demon out of me. At this point, I'm, at this point, I'm fucking scared shitless because I'm surrounded by fucking zealots. For all I know, they're going to fucking burn me to the stake. Burn me at the stake. And, man, that's pretty much it, man. That was just a really weird, fucking horrifying experience in my life. See, motherfuckers? Wait, I'll never fucking see. Fuck you. Hmm. It's kind of an abrupt ending there. Mm-hmm. So this dude was accosted by a bunch of uh, holy rollers in the middle of their um, diag. Whatever. Doesn't seem so bad, actually. To you, be you know, you, there, there was a lot of that. I remember when we were in college, like Christians that would go around with megaphones or passing out pamphlets or singing songs. I would songs. call the cops, though. Now that I think about it, 
I mean, not that I can't, not that it bothered me, but it'd just be fun. I would be like, yeah, these people were uh, assaulting me. Isn't it assault to throw liquids at somebody? Probably. I think it and, and, the, and the officer would be like, well, come on, let's just, and I'd be like, no, I'm pressing full charges. Take their names, write it up. <laughs> I would start going full Linda Blair, speaking in tongues. Mm. screaming just, see but now you're just playing into it for writhing them. on the ground and then get up and be like psych just joking <laughs> you'd psych i'm them. fine psyched you guys out <laughs> crazy white people that's some weird cult shit though i would be scared i would be scared you know as another white guy but could you imagine being like black dude first of all listening to metal which is rare and then uh getting surrounded by a bunch of bowl cut wearing white people Screaming about Jesus with holy water. Who carries holy water around? Those those type of people. Yeah, I would be. I it's would. It's a tautology, really. Yeah. If you have holy water, you're one of those type of people. If you're one of those type of people, you probably have holy water. Yeah, I think at that point, I would have just you know got up, turned my goat whore up a little bit louder, and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> then you let them win. Yeah, but uh, psych. Uh, here's the last call. Hey, sick and wrong. This is uh, Stan from Bradenton, Florida. Just found your podcast. I think it's fucking fantastic. I see. And listen to as many episodes as I can. Well, not as many episodes because I'm not going to pay no six fifty six. With that, I can buy a couple bottles of uh, the old Crazy Horse, which brings me to my story. Uh, first thing, I'm reading off a website here. One of the early brewers of Crazy Horse settled a lawsuit with a group of Native Americans by apologizing and compensating them with seven race horses, 32 pendles, and blankets. Rates of tobacco and sweet, sweet grass. That second sweet is mine. But my story is about the crazy horse you guys brought up. Trying to get laid, had a couple girls over, uh, actually over at a girl's house. A uh, couple girls, neither of which I ever fucked. A couple bottles of crazy horse, both of which I drank. Uh, probably in about 15 minutes. I'm a, I'm a pretty good drinker. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that psychosis starts to step in, step in and... Dude, this guy drank two forties of Crazy Horse in fifteen minutes. What would happen to you? Seems like you'd be really wasted. Dude, I, I, yeah, I think I would be going into alcohol poisoning at that level. Probably well, maybe be not. Fun. But definitely alcohol psychosis. I mean, be, sounds good. A good time to me. It's a lot of alcohol in uh, that Crazy Horse. Next thing you know, I'm trying to show off by uh, pretending to break a bottle over my head. Uh, except I wasn't pretending. Uh, if you remember the Crazy Horse bottles, they were cylindrical. That same website I just read about the, the reparation ha- had a little bit about it being related to the Arizona iced tea bottle, which makes sense because that shit just broke right over my head. Glass everywhere. Just a giant clusterfuck. That's when it got worse. I, I, I bent down to try and clean up because, you know, I'm a gentleman. Um, grabbing glass with both my hands and all I succeeded in doing was cutting myself to shreds and bleeding all over every stitch of fabric she had in her living room. Just blood everywhere from my hands. Just my hands. It doesn't look like it sounds like a good drinking uh, buddy. Blood over everything. Every bit of the couch, every bit of the floor, every, every, I guess was a mess. He was trying to score with two girls, right? (laughs) Isn't that what he said? (laughs) I wasn't listening. This is the opposite of slick. You're trying to score with two girls. You don't, you don't think this guy's black? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't pound 240s at Crazy Horse and then expect to get laid. Maybe you just don't run in the same circles as this guy. I guess, Stop to think about it. I guess maybe. I mean, I, I think uh, 
Yeah. I wonder what these girls look like. I mean, maybe it takes a lot to impress them. Maybe you can't just come over with a bottle of, uh, you know, champagne or something and some Barry White on, on vinyl to impress these girls. Maybe you do have to pound a couple fours of uh, Crazy Horse and break a bottle over your head. Reminds me of Vivian from The Young Ones doing push-ups. I'm going to impress you, <laughs> sure. ladies. Just doing push-ups. Press-ups, right. as he calls press them. Press-ups, yeah. And uh, I got to the kitchen and, you know, got cleaned up, but I left shortly thereafter. That yeah, no shit. Didn't did, work. Uh, consummate the uh, relationship with either of them. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe he didn't get a chance to consummate his relationship with either one of those girls. He just met them at the bar five minutes before. <laughs> consummate this baby. I, I just wonder, like, what happened here? Did he meet them at the bar and, like, the one, you know, both the girls are into him? He's thinking, wow, I might actually be able to hook up a menage here. And on the way back, he's like, hey, before we get back there, I want to pick up 240s of Crazy Horse. For me. <laughs> for me, not for you. Yeah, I yeah I yeah I don't you know I I'm just gonna say if you if you do think you're gonna have a menage a trois, I would leave Crazy Horse out of the equation. I don't think let's it's not conducive. Get, let's not get crazy here. I just don't think it's conducive to the uh, mm. a sexual atmosphere. Maybe a little bit. I never drank Crazy Horse with a woman. I think I only drank Crazy Horse when I couldn't afford anything better with my friends. <laughs> Me yeah, didn't. I don't know. How often did you? How often do you and your wife go down to the store and get a forty or crazy horse? Well, I don't even think I could. I don't even know where to get it. I haven't seen it anywhere. It's not available in my area. I want to get a crazy horse T-shirt. They must make one. <laughs> I'm sure if you went on eBay, you could find one, or just make your own on uh, Cafe Press. I think we're gonna have to do that, Wackerly. Maybe the new sick and wrong tea. Anyway, great. People call sick and wrong hotline two zero six 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 three eight four six. We got to get moving here. Um, we did get one email I wanted to point out. This guy wrote in saying, Hey, Dean Lance, here's an idea for easy cash. How about celebrating the upcoming 500th episode by releasing an MP3 CD album of all the greatest songs played at the end of the show? Um, you'd have to sort licenses and some of the other shit, which I ain't got a clue about, but certainly bring a smile to many fans' faces. Anyway, I love the show. Consistently excellent, in my opinion. Mark. Yeah, you know how much Just work... Just sort the licenses. <laughs> you know how much work that would take? I think the funniest thing is you imagine, because I mean, we're playing, you know, we play some indie bands, like uh, just some just regular bands that people send in. But then we also play like songs from like the Cramps and stuff. Could you imagine calling these bands and be like, yeah, I'm putting together a podcast compilation CD and uh, <laughs> like a license to your song. Probably going to sell like maybe 150 copies. <laughs> like, like we would ever put that much effort into doing something like that. Here's an idea. Why don't you listen to every show and then just record that last song? And then, uh, and then, yeah, put an MP3 playlist together and send it to cigarettepodcast.com. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> um, people, go check out our Cigarette Facebook page. I post uh, new shit there daily. There's also there's two Facebook uh, pages for Sick and Wrong, both extremely captivating. Uh, we also have some prints we're selling on the site, uh, T-shirts, only mediums and uh, smalls left, but you can buy a medium or small quado tee. If you want a large or extra large shirt, just check out the Cafe Press store. Um, I'm currently going to uh, renovate the store. I haven't got around to it yet, but we're going to add a few more t-shirts there. So uh, you just go to cafepress.com slash sickandwrong. But you can also link to it from the Sick and Wrong store. Uh, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week came in from SP. He goes, song to play out the show with. Following on from Crass's So What? 
please play the anti-nowhere league so what as covered by metallica on the garage inc album keep up the hilarious podcast sp you know that song so what no it's a great song it's, a, it's an anti-nowhere league song and uh well i guess it's a crass song but the, but all the covers of that song are amazing. And Metallica released Garage Inc., which is a bunch of old uh, covers. I think they cover the Misfits on there too. Um, and they do a they do a uh, a great job. So we'll end the show here with Metallica's version of So What. Uh, thanks for listening, people. We'll be back next week with episode forty nine. Till then, take a sleazy. Goodbye. So fucking what? <laughs> And I've been to Brighton I've been to Eastbourne too So what? So what? And I've been here I've been there I've been every fucking where So what? So what? So what? So what? You boring little cunt Well who cares? Who cares? You do
said, I'm the country shit myself. No, no fucking no. 